0: Everybody. Welcome to 321 No Kidden. Today we have a guest that I think will educate everybody. So we have to put her and share her with both the recovery world and the entrepreneur world. Welcome to the show, Dr. Betsy Holmberg.
1: It is such a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: Oh, I'm excited to dive into this topic. I I guess that's why I have the guests that I have on because the, the topics are intriguing. And this one is one that I don't know as much about as I would like. So why don't you start by introducing yourself to the audience and letting them know who you are and what you do maybe and why you're here.
1: You bet. So I am a clinical psychologist and I I did had a wonderful career. I worked at McKinsey for a while and I led their mental health service line and helping hospitals and insurance companies and everything try to improve quality of care. And then um I ended up taking a hiatus to take care of my son. And in the process, um, my husband came in one night and was like, this is over. Um, We're not doing this anymore. And so went through a divorce. That was really hard. And then three years later, I was still really struggling with it. And with divorce, there are all these negative thoughts of like, now I'm that divorcee and I'm different from everyone else. And people are going to wonder what's wrong with me that my husband left me. And, you know, there's just so much negative talk. And I was on an antidepressant at the time, which really, really helped, but it had been—it was three years later and I wanted to get off it. And every time I tried to taper down on my antidepressant, these negative thoughts would come flaring back and I just got fed up and I wanted a better life for me, my son. And so I went into the literature to find out what is this voice in my head that is constantly, you know, telling me I'm not good enough, telling me I can't handle it and i I found something that blew my mind, and so I'm now out in the world sharing it and talking about it, and I'm writing for Psychology today on the topic and I've written for fast company so there's there's an appetite for this, so I guess I'm not the only one <laughs> that suffers from this because once we know the science behind why we think these things, it really helps us let them go
0: yes, and it's
1: it's applicable
0: like I said to both audiences because I think it is not just in your head I think it's in all of our heads and I think that some folks have learned how to slay it and some people haven't or at least maybe it's just that people appear to have calmed it and we don't really know what's happening behind the scenes too so I imagine there's a little of that so where should we start should we start with the science how would you like to begin
1: Let's start with the science and I would love to then see where you want to take it from there. So, um, so, and I'll, and I'll make it as brief as possible. So we all perceive that our thoughts come from us and that our thoughts come from one place. So the same place that produced, I don't know, the theory of relativity is the place that you're like, oh, should I go grocery shopping after work today? I don't know, I'm tired, right? That it's all our thoughts. But what the neuroscience, the brain imaging shows is actually we have two thought networks. And one thought network is our primitive one. So this was the first one to come online. And what it did is it helped us live in clans and and stay in clans. It's a survival thought network. So it looks at the people around you and it says, am I doing everything to clan norms? Am I good enough? Um, am I fulfilling my job well enough? And it's constantly trying to keep you in line because if you were taken out of the clan, you'd die. So it has a massive survival component to it. And the other thing is these thoughts just run. They're automatic. We don't control them. They're the things that are happening when we're not actively focusing ourselves elsewhere. So that's number one, our primitive thought network. I call it our tribal brain. And then the second is we have a central executive network, which is where all of our the things that make being human amazing come from this place. So this is where we get science. This is where we get, you know, art. This is when you are fully present in the moment you're in your central executive brain. And you talk a lot about being present, Bobby. And that is that connecting in your central executive network instead of your tribal brain. So just the idea, the thing that shifted it for me was just the idea that wait, I'm not the one thinking that I'm not good enough or that everyone's judging me. That's just an automatic thing that thinks it's protecting me when actually it's driving me nuts. Like that blew my mind and really helped me move towards healing. Thank
0: you. I have I have follow-up questions. The first one is... Who- <laughs> Does our primitive brain think the clan is now? Is it as immediate as like our family in our day to day, or is it mankind? Is it religion? Is it ethnicity? Like, what is our clan? Do you, do you have a sense of that?
1: This is the problem with nowadays: is that it anyone you interact with, it thinks as part of the clan. So, you know, if if you go into a social setting and there are a bunch of people you don't know and it gives you a lot of anxiety, yeah, that's because these are all new people and we don't know what, you know, what matters to them, what the hierarchy is. And so this brain goes into overdrive and that is social anxiety. So it can be your church. It could be the moms that pick up at school. It could be the people that you see at the dog park. I mean, it tries to fit you into all of these different places and- It was never designed for that. It was designed for a world in which we spent all of our time with the same 150 people. And we knew them from the day we were born until the day we died. We stayed with the same group. And nowadays, this is part of why mental health rates are as high as they are, is it's really hard to have that brain in as complex a world as we live in today.
0: Okay. Thank you for that. Now, I don't, I don't. I don't know how exactly to phrase this, but so we have the primitive and we have the central executive. Thinking about presence, thinking about higher self, thinking about consciousness, what brain does that fall in or what thought path does that fall in?
1: Do you know it what is mean? such a good question. Yes, no, totally. And and I've thought a lot about this because you th- like, we think of consciousness as kind of the one who is aware. So like, if you're aware that you're thinking, then you're not the thoughts. You're the one, you're the awareness that sits behind the thoughts. And I feel like in all of the reading I've done, the more that people sit in presence, it seems the more they are in touch with that higher self. And when we're sitting in presence, we are not in this tribal brain. You know, we are in we are in that central executive. We are in a place where we're very much in the moment. And so when I think of what consciousness is, it I I, yeah. And what the higher self is, it is very much not the tribal brain. That's number one. We can all agree like all of those nasty thoughts are so not who you are but who you are is the one seeing those thoughts and who you are is the one that's experiencing this wonderful world around us you know is the presence
0: that thank you that that was very clarifying what contributes to us to where the thoughts go like is there out is there outside factors like what makes us use our central executive what makes us use our tribal where does that come from
1: Yeah. So the things that make us... So when we focus on something, and this is one of the key ways to turn it off, is that the brain imaging shows that the tribal brain runs. And then when we actively choose to focus on something, it shuts down and the central executive comes on. It's like a light switch. It's either or. So when when this is running... If we then are like, oh, that's my tribal brain gross. And I, you go and do something else, whether it's binging a television show, listening to music, going for a bike ride like you, you do. I mean, whatever it is that 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 can help shut it off. And there are things that that do make it more likely to happen. So if we experience, you know, pain, hurt, trauma, all of those can create a lot of data, if you will for the tribal brain that says, I am not safe. Like, I'm not safe in this clan. And like, and I have to be scared about my survival. Um, There are even more basic things, like if you're really tired, or if you're emotional, or if you're stressed, all of those things will shut down your more senior level processing. And it you essentially go into survival mode. And the if i can say this if the the bitch of it is that this tribal brain is our survival brain and so it's the piece we can't shut off so when i'm stressed i i hear it i know i i don't stand a chance shutting it off literally my brain will never let me so i i just try to like coast through it and not pay attention And not spiral on those thoughts. I just am like, okay, whatever, whatever. And then, and then the next day, if I've gotten to sleep or if I've solved whatever the stressful thing is, it's always way easier to pop out of it because I, because I haven't lingered on those thoughts. I haven't made them to be something very serious that I need to think about and heal in process. No, I let them be as the crap thoughts they are. And Mm. I move on with my life and it's really helpful. Are you,
0: as the observer, are you kind of acknowledging them, though, or are you resisting them?
1: So, like, think. think I am. I'm acknowledging them. So I like to think of them. I have a few different ways of thinking of them, but I like to think of them as the real housewives of me. (laughs) Like they are all this drama (laughs) and like it's like a TV that's going on in the background. And, you know, when you like have a TV going on in the background, if you're cooking or something and then you finally turn the TV off and you're like, oh, like that feels so much better. Well, that these thoughts are like a TV going on in the background with, you know housewives yelling at each other and being mean. And it's just, it happens to be in my head. So I don't know if it's necessarily, I just know they're there. I see them for what they are. And I just try not to believe them. That's my big effort when I'm in one of, when I'm super stressed, let's say. Thank you. That TV in the background, like I,
0: until you just explained it, that's something I, I do. Like I, walking into people's houses. Like if it's a visiting thing, can we shut off the TV? Like I can't do it. It stresses me out. So I love that you shared that. Cause I thought it was just me. Um, <laughs> so I feel a little better. <laughs> so you've gone on a journey. You've had some personal stuff that impacted how your tribal brain was behaving. Your, um, what is that word I want? Educated, but that isn't the right word but you're you're more in enthralled um, with doing the research and and learning it firsthand um, and you've been on the journey and now you're teaching it, which also enhances your skills right so you're definitely an expert on this. We're talking to people who aren't experts right so how do they begin? where do they start what is
1: what is something how do we help them? Yeah. First step is to is to is to just get it, you know, is to just see that these are automatic thoughts. They are not coming from you. You do not feel this way. You don't feel worthless or that you're you know not pretty enough or or smart enough. Like, Like you are not the one that is shaming yourself. It's just this automatic survival network. So the first is just to get that in your head. And then the second is to start watching these thoughts. And um, it happened for me, I was in the shower, and I was like zooming along with my default mode. This was first when I started th- learning about this. And my, it, the tribal brain said, Oh, well, that's because they have lives and you don't. And I literally like brought my I was like, what is it, nasty terrible, awful thing to say. And usually I probably would have felt depressed that I felt that way and thought, oh, I'm getting sad. And like, I need to probably take it. Like I need to like cool my jets and just, I probably would have watched TV, probably would have eaten a pint of ice cream. You know, I would have really like taken that. And instead I saw it and I burst out laughing and I was like, oh, you know, you little bitch. Like, I can't believe you just said that. So it's, it's labeling it and it's seeing it. And then the, and then the next step is to shift it. If you can, if you're not super tired or stressed or emotional, it's, it's shift it. You know, go do something you really love to do or listen to music or what. It, I mean, I used to think distracting myself was like a weak thing to do, if you will. And now I see it as one of the best things to do because it's getting me out of that awful part of my brain. And if that's what I need to do to do it, go me, you know, I will binge that show and feel very proud of myself for doing it.
0: Yeah. Well, and that's, uh, you're making me wonder, you know, like, was it, I I can't think of a specific moment, like your shower moment, but was it those voices that led me to the casino to, to tune out, right? Like that's my version of Netflix was the slot machine and bonus rounds and all the things that came with it. I didn't have to think about whatever was happening in life. So I don't think I was conscious of it, but I feel like that's what led me to that as a coping mechanism, gambling or, or drinking.
1: Well, this is where these behaviors are so appealing is because they shut this network down. And when we think we are that voice. We want to try to escape it and we're not going to look to ourselves to escape it because we think it's us. You know, we, we feel that we need to escape ourselves. And so, and you'll see this with all of the addictive substances and behaviors. So alcohol, it actually shuts down your tribal brain. It fits it like it will do it chemically, will decrease the functional connectivity in your tribal brain so that you stop having these thoughts. And that's why we all feel so much better and more social when we drink you know, because it's let down that survival stress thing that's turned inward saying you're never good enough. Um, nicotine, it actually de- both decreases the tribal brain and it increases the central executive network. So you feel you can be more productive. So all of these things, they they actually are, a, uh, they are great coping mechanisms for getting out of the tribal brain And they make a lot of sense when we don't know what the tribal brain is. But once we know what it is, we can say, you know what, I'm shutting it off myself. I'm not listening to it. It has nothing to do with me. And then we won't feel the need to turn to that stuff. When we look at addiction too, like the problem with something like alcohol, and it's like, I can't believe something like this is on our planet because it's it it pulls you in because it shuts down the tribal brain. But over time, it actually strengthens the tribal brain. So once, once we're, we were done with the hangover, you know, when you're in the middle of a hangover, you know how those thoughts always get so much worse. You're like, Oh my God, what did I say? What did I do? I, I, you know, I'm so ashamed that I drank so much. I can't believe I let it go far so far. I'm so weak. Blah blah, 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 blah. So in, in time, it actually strengthens and strengthens and strengthens the tribal brain. So then you need more alcohol to try to turn it off. And there you have your vicious cycle. And mm-hmm. so it's, it's interesting that it's it's like I when I was looking at it, I was like, you know, we're kind of damned if you do and damned if you don't, you know, that we finally figure out things that help us get out of this thing. And then they end up hurting us more like that stinks. It's it's hard. Yeah, you said something. I'm going to go back a
0: couple pages in our conversation, because when you were using the example of some of the things that the tribal brain says you used, I wrote down pretty enough. And where do we get the ideas of what is pretty enough? Like, what does that look like? What are we judging against? Why are we judging it against? Like, can you speak to that, please?
1: Yes, this is, goes all back to the clan and what we see as being the clan norms and what it means to be successful in the clan. So when we look around, and this is where media can be really Hard for people um, is if we see lots of pretty faces in the media, our tribal brain assumes you need to be that pretty or else you're going to get kicked out of the clan and you're going to die. Like, so it, it, you know, it's not thinking, oh, just to get ahead. No, it really cares about dying. <laughs> and so it thinks you have to be pretty enough. It thinks you have to be smart enough. So we're always comparing to the people that we're seeing because bizarrely, it had a good function. So picture we're all back in the cave and someone figured out that if you sewed a bunch of pelts together, it would make a blanket and you'd be warmer at night. Well, we would look over and we'd compare ourselves and be like, whoa, that's really cool. I'm going to start to do that too. And so then we'd start making that. And then the standard of living would rise for everyone. And the pickle nowadays is that the standard of living is great. So we have taken all of our comparing and we're and all of the ways we're telling ourselves we're bad by looking to people out in the world that seem to be doing better than us. And it's so funny. Think about it. Like, we never look at people that are doing worse than us and say, oh, wow, aren't I doing awesome? Look at I'm not them. I mean. No, the tribal brain is so survival-based. It's always like, well, they're doing better or they're prettier or they're more wealthy, you know, or they never suffered through addiction. You know, it's always beating us up.
0: That is a powerful point, what you just said right there, that we don't compare to, um, I want to say things we should be grateful for or, or gratitude. Like we don't compare that way, we only compare for lack. And that's just mind blowing to me, what you just <laughs> said. So I had, I just had to savor that and kind of repeat it back to you.
1: I mean, it's creepy, isn't it? That like this is a survival system. Like we fully accepted it as a society that we have a stress system and it's always trying to get what, you know, run away from a saber toothed tiger. So we manage it, you know, we get. But little did we know that half our thoughts are also a survival system and also trying to protect us by looking at the person, by beating us up, essentially, you know, it's trying to fit us in the, in the norms and make us okay. And it's hurting us so much, you know, that it, it makes us feel so bad about ourselves. It It's, I don't know that you can tell why this is where I wanted to get this message out because Like this voice is really nasty and we all need to know about it. And the more we know about it, the more we can let it go and actually really start living the lives we really want to live. You know what I mean? Like what really matters.
0: I do. As you were talking about it being like the housewives. um, I've never watched that show. Don't tell. Um, But I get the gist (laughs) of it from what people say. And I, I find myself as my journey progresses, I learned most of my lessons upon reflection. Right. And I think of it as I compare myself to old Bobby and new Bobby. And I think old Bobby's voices were a lot more uh, prevailing because I let them be like my tribal brain, like was always on alert uh, coming out of addiction or not digging into all the things that I think caused me to have the voices. At least this is my perception, right? So, that mm-hmm. that was old Bobby to me. Am I on the right track? Am I thinking about it right? That the voices are picking up on my environment because, like, the voices need to get the tri- the voices I'm calling them um, the tribal brain <laughs> needs to get its information from somewhere. So, is that somewhere from the environment? Is that where they come from? Because it can't all be internal, can it? Because like, it wouldn't know, like if it's internal, that's our divine loving self. So it feels conflicting to me. It feels like there has to be some outside influence.
1: There, there is outside influence in that the tribal brain reacts to the outside world. Like the example that comes to mind for me is, you know, when I first moved here and I started going to pick up and meeting all of the other moms, at pickup and like my tribal brain had a lot of kind of went off in that environment. Like, is she bored talking to me? Am I funny enough? Is she does this mommy want to talk to someone else? You know, I'm not as cool as those moms. Like, Oh, they're all really good friends. I mean, it would, it would go. And so I, there is that place where the tribal brain will definitely respond to stimulus, but I, it will also I mean, for me, my tribal brain, the worst things my tribal brain has ever said to me have come from pain and hurt from things that have happened to me, and they could have been years ago. so it it's it is the this thing it just runs automatically, and I think it thinks it's helping us by kind of rehashing that and and saying like, oh, you have to be worried now. And this is not good. And like, you're not, you you can't handle this. This is too much. I think it, I think it thinks, I think it thinks that that's productive when it's like the worst thing that could possibly be happening. And I loved your point on like, it's also like my consciousness, my loving self is coming from me. Um I'm just starting to read on this now that the loving self, the heart has its own nervous system. And this nervous system is actually connected to the central executive network. So when you are in your heart, when you're in your loving space, you are more in that present moment place. And and this tribal brain is completely separate. And I would say is 100% not you. It is like an amalgamation of everything you've learned from society, every hurt you've ever experienced, like all of those things. And it uses all that data to say mean things to you, to try to get you to fit in and stay safe. And that's all it is.
0: Wow. And we become more self-conscious and fit in less because we don't have confidence and people like we become weaker if we listen to the tribal brain. Because maybe, well, it's been my experience that our perception of how people perceive us is very different than how people actually perceive us.
1: Very true. Very true. I laughed to myself because I was like, wait, so my tribal brain is going off about someone judging me, but if they do any automatic judgments of me, that's just their tribal brain saying something stupid to them. So like, am I really going to be this anxious about what one tribal brain thinks about another tribal? I was like, this is ridiculous. Like none of that really matters. And I actually just need to get in the present moment and be with this person And whenever I do that, well, the interaction is so much better. It's so we're so much more present. I don't know. It's just better.
0: Presence is important. It's definitely um, a practice. And like you mentioned, it's something that I've been focused on. And um, everybody that knows me that's had some sort of a conversation kind of knows that I'm working on it, especially if I fall out of presence and my brain starts doing its thing. Um, And I make people repeat themselves all the time. I'm like, I wasn't present. Can you please repeat yourself? Because I want to miss what I don't want to miss what you have to say. Um, So it's it's definitely a work because I have to catch it and, and actually be humble enough to say that I wasn't in the conversation
1: (laughs) because I wasn't listening. You know, and that's the thing is like, we all have this hardware we're all stuck with this thing. So everyone knows what you're talking about when you just said that everyone has done that, you know, this is not you. So it actually kind of makes me feel a little giggly inside that you actually say it. Cause it's like, you're actually owning something that's so true to all of us. And instead of just trying to pretend it didn't happen, you're like, wait, no, I'm going to be honest and say, I wasn't here. Okay. Say it to me again. I mean, I just love that.
0: Well, yeah, we don't know what we're missing and uh, we need to communicate better and in my opinion, like part of how I stay sober, whatever you want to call it is through communication and relationships. And you, and I, 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 so the tribal brain, all right, let me put this in, in tribal brain terms. My travel brain wants to talk shit about other people or get its panties in a bunch about what other people say or do to me. So there's this other level, I think, and maybe you could speak scientifically or a little bit more on this, but that's another little button that I think that at least for me, I have to pay attention to. It's like, does it serve you to feel that way? Like I had a conversation with somebody today that had a different perspective on forgiveness than I did. And they wanted to stay in hate and despise and all of this. And I've removed um, hate from my vocabulary to the best of my ability. And reason being is because I don't, I don't ever want to hate anybody. Like I can get past it. I might be indifferent. I might not care, but I don't want to hate. Like that's, it doesn't serve me to carry around that black mark, no matter what you did to me, which also comes from a place of, knowing that it's tribal brain or whatever you want to call it, whatever my perception of it, I know that's not their heart selves connected to their central executive system, right? Like I, I know that now. Um, So it becomes important, I guess, in recovery to, to, to know these things and to not put energy into the tribal brain, even when it's the other person's tribal brain. Am I making sense? I feel like I went in a big circle there.
1: No, you are totally making sense. You remind me of a time that I got in an argument with a therapist about unconditional love and they were arguing that there's no such thing as unconditional love. And I was like, yes, there is. And I'm like, I can't believe I'm sitting here having this argument, but it, it did it, it that activated me too. So I I've so been there with you in this stuff. Um And I don't know. It's, it's, it, it's, it's not great. It doesn't feel good to experience other people's insecurities, other people, you know, like, like the pain of other people, especially if they want to be in to to stay, if they're fighting for it, you're like, shouldn't we all be trying to heal ourselves from that and heal this sense? I mean, like, uh, when I think of, like one of the things the tribal brain loves to do is label it is obsessed with labeling. And it, like, it says you're stupid or, you know, that person's successful. I mean, it, it, it loves labeling. And I, and I think of the tribal brain as like an over eager first grader, uh like per, like perfect little first grader that has the answer to every question before the teacher even finishes saying whatever it is, you know, they just dying to come out with it. Well, that's our tribal brains in a nutshell. And um. And yeah, if, if other people are are in a space of essentially defending negativity, it is it's challenging because that isn't our heart space. Our heart space is love. Our there is no negativity in the higher self. And so it's like rubbing up against kind of these machinations that people have created from their tribal brains that aren't really real. And it's hard to even discuss with them. You know, it's hard to argue. Like, like it's hard to have a conversation and try to pull them out. I mean, I wasn't able to convince my therapist that there is unconditional love. You know, I mean, it's, it's kind of a battle we can't win, you know?
0: Yeah, I'm going through that. Like literally right now, um, I'm back at mom's and my brother is convinced that I hate him. I don't hate. So first of all, that could be, that's completely inaccurate, but he's like at the hospital right now. And he's telling them that I hate him and I don't love him and da, 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 da. and there's, a, there's a battle, right? And I have to be very mindful of which brain is thinking. I wouldn't have called it that before this conversation. I would have called it my ego, right? Like I don't believe in arguing anymore because It's not the loudest voice wins because it doesn't change perspective. And I've had to have the conversation. I don't hate you, but I also recognize that your brain can't accept that no matter how I say that to you. Like you have to come to terms with that and then just be done with the conversation because otherwise it's, I'm wasting energy because I can't change somebody else's tribal brain, which is not easy to do, (laughs) mind you. Um, and it's you know it's hard it's hard to deal with other people's tribal brains and it's not that their is,
1: fault. That is exactly right, and it's also it, it's also that and you know and I find it's such a frustrating experience because they're not really hearing you. You are being very crystal clear. You are saying it, you know, as clear as you can. Of of you have the situation wrong. I do not hate you, but. For some reason, his tribal brain is wrapped in some story that that there is hate coming from you. And for some reason, it's serving him. And and if you've been honest about it, like there's nothing else you can do. And it's just it's to me, it just shows how much we are in our heads uh, and how much our perceptions of what's going on in the world are all driven from the. From here, I'm pointing my head for people, listeners, um, and not from the actual world. You know, there is that place where we really do create our reality. And it's it is saddening to watch people create realities that just that are awful and that are not true.
0: Yeah. And I hope. You know, I hope that with champions like you and the the kind of people that I get to visit with on the show, you know, that we can be changing this thinking, like it's going to have to be on everybody else on everybody's individual terms. Right. But at least we're talking about it, bringing attention to it. You know, maybe the light bulb goes off five years down the road, but that's better than not knowing it all. And. You know, knowing, accepting, processing, like it's all, it's all going to be stages of the game, I presume. Um, So I'm going to switch gears a little bit because I don't want to neglect my recovering entrepreneur audience. How, do you have a nice way, Dr. Betsy, to tell us maybe how this is relevant in business as entrepreneurs, how this could either, how the tribal brain can stifle us or how managing it could help us. Exceed our expectations. Can you speak to that a little for us?
1: Oh, you bet. And I experienced all of these lovelies. So this also <laughs> comes from personal experience, but, uh, it, in a, in a nutshell, imposter syndrome, like the tribal brain is the one that creates imposter syndrome. It's what we talked about before. It's when you look at everyone else and you're comparing up and you're like, well, they're better at this. They're better at this. And it makes you feel like. You know, I can't do this, or I'm not successful enough, or smart enough, or or whatever it is, and so there are so many ways we hold ourselves back because our tribal brains are feeding us this story, and that's completely not true. Um, another thing I would say, because this was very true for me, is the the tribal brain cares about hierarchy. And so like if you're in a meeting with people that seem like they're much more successful, the tribal brain is like, ooh, hierarchy, they're more powerful. They're the ones who should be telling everyone what to do and not the opposite. And so often it's the tribal brain that's the part of us that stops us from speaking up. And I used to do this a lot because McKinsey and consulting, you're with all these people that are, you know, decades more experienced than you. And I'm like, if I could just take the notes, I'd be happy. Like, I do not want to say anything. And they're like, but you're here to say stuff. And so I always had a massive internal struggle with that. And now I'm like, well, that's why, because to me, they were the elders and, and my tribal brain just went to that. Okay. You listen to your elders. You don't contest your elders. You know, if you, if you, if you challenge your elders, that, that could be grounds for getting kicked out. And so, of course I got stressed. And so knowing in a way, the evolutionary reason we get stressed about speaking out or we feel that we're not good enough helps us then release it and really kind of live into ourselves in our professional lives. Do you know what just showed up for me? I hadn't thought of this in
0: this context either. Instead of the hierarchy In all this space, whether I'm meeting authors or other entrepreneurs or people like in this world, if I don't look at the hierarchy, we tend to focus on collaboration. Like we might not, there's no reporting structure and we can accomplish so much more together. And the circles that I've I've chose to enlist in celebrate the wins, can give feedback without it being a pissing contest. And I'll tell you, this is why I'm not in California anymore. Cause I went back with the entrepreneurial mindset to W2 world. And I treated my team as a team and not as a hierarchy. And I treated the customer as someone I could serve in a certain way. It didn't work. And the world's not caught up in all organizations to, to lead that way. You know, and Now that mental health and wellness and all of that's going to always be in the back of my head for every decision I make, I can't make decisions in alignment with my values all the time. So it's very clear to me that living in this space, entrepreneurial space, um, peers, like you're a doctor, like you have your doctorate, you worked eight, 10 years harder in your education and invested in yourself. And my last interview today also was a PhD. In theory, if I let my tribal brain work, I should be too intimidated to talk to you. Like, totally. Exactly. And there is a version of me that's that would be old Bobby, would be very intimidated that way. Instead of how do you and I work together to change the world? How do you and I work together to spread the message?
1: And this and- is where bizarrely I'm so honored. Like, so your tribal brain would go that way. But the reality, this is getting back to the reality point versus what's not is. I have told everyone I know I'm coming and talking with you because I'm so honored to be with you, given I think what you're doing is so incredible and your journey and your I I just so so I have so much respect for you. And yet your tribal brain would would never have let you see that. You know, and would never have let you us have a normal conversation. I think a really interesting part of this point, and I see this in the entrepreneurial space, especially on social media, is the most fun people to collaborate with are the ones who are really authentic and are finding some sort of meaning out of what they're doing, right? This is why I'm loving being with you. There are all those other people on social media and all those other entrepreneurs that are like, I, you know, I sold a million dollar course, or I I did this and that. And those are the ones that just make us feel awful about ourselves. And those are the ones we don't want to collaborate with. So these are very different mindsets. We either live by the tribal brain mindset of like, oh, that person, so, you know, made a million dollars on their course, I must listen to them, I will follow them versus the, (laughs) I'm going to be really who I am and connect with other people who are really who they are. And that's to me when true magic happens. It, it, it it does. I, I can't,
0: I can't put it into words, this shift. And it's beautiful when people are positive. Like I made some really amazing connections and I didn't feel Threatens. I didn't feel like I've always been a trainer, right? Like I always wanted to train someone to replace me, but it was from a different place. It was from the, I can't get promoted unless I backfill my position. Like I just yeah. had always thought that way, but I enjoyed the process. And I love watching, um, people that I've worked with move up. Like that's, that's, I've never had children. That's kind of like my baby taking their first steps kind of thing. Um, but it. I didn't realize that I could do it for like greater good. Right. Yeah. Like the, the voice was always, and, and I, again, I kind of refer to it as ego. That's probably how I've interpreted it the best up until this conversation, but it was about Bobby. It was about Bobby's promotion, right? It wasn't about oh. the people's mm-hmm. development, Right. Well, why would the promotion be important? Status, money, which then goes into the comparison and the hierarchy. And like all the things that you said are so practical in our everyday life. Um, the the mom example, like going to pick your kids up from school. Like you guys are moms, working moms, moms that are there to pick up their kids from school. Like that alone says who you are, you know, like it. it It's sad that the tribal brain robs us of of the
1: beauty. How about this? So the tribal brain, so psychologists in their fancy, fancy talk, they're like, this is the seed of social emotional awareness and moral, moral awareness. Moral awareness is black or white thinking. So... And social media is is all tribal brain. It's all comparing. It's all just scrolling. I mean, you you are not focused and thoughtful when you're on social media. We all know this. Uh, You know, you're passively just receiving. This is all default mode. And so this is where we've gotten so polar as a society. You know, this is where we've stopped being able to hear each other is because in a tribe, it doesn't, facts don't matter, you know following the leader matters and doing whatever the tribe is doing matters so we stop listening to facts we stop caring about people that are different from us you know and so all of the things that we've seen in society and of uh, you know and all of this hate and everything this is all tribal brain and social media even feeds it even more and it's just you know you want to like cry from the rooftops and get everyone out of it because it's not who they really are underneath it. And I know that. And yet it's hard to watch people do such, you know, express such vitriol and do such awful things in the world, you know? I feel like
0: I know a secret on this topic. You want to know what it is? Yes. If I don't expose myself to those things, I feel less of those emotions It's kind of like taking the oxygen away from a fire. When I don't watch the news, my tribal brain doesn't have to get caught up in that. Now I will tell you, now here's where it it does step in. And I said this to somebody recently, I don't know what the latest Netflix thing is. I don't know other bands or or movies or all these things. So then there's this other, it, it creates this other part of the tribal brain talking about Um, exclusion, not being savvy enough on entertainment and all of that. But um, I can trade that in for not.
1: Like, can we just pause on that for a second? So literally your tribal brain is beating you up for not being savvy enough about television. (laughs) Like, really, like it will pick anything to be like, oh, you're not good enough. And we talk about it, a fear of missing out and everything. But it literally will pick on anything Cause you can also go to the other way of like how wonderful you're not wasting your time watching television. You're, you're choosing to spend your time meditating, let's say. I mean, meditating is great for getting in your central executive network. It's the best thing we could all be doing. I mean, and and yet your tribal brain will still beat you up. I, it just, it's ridiculous. Yeah. I, and, and don't get me wrong. That's not where I, where I live anymore. I
0: actually, I think, I've I've talked about it a lot the last few months so it must be something I'm trying to process out of myself. Um I have I I do believe, you know, that whole there's not enough time concept, right? I do believe time is a choice at, at a certain level or what we do with our time is a choice. Yes. And I can reflect back to myself and be like, yeah, I'm getting educated. I'm talking to people. I'm having experiences. I'm blah, 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 blah. So my central executive can kick in um, and override it. But there was this piece of me, like I'm excluded from whatever the thing is, you know, who's winning at sports. I I mean, it goes on and on because the things I focus about are always developmental, like 99.9% of the time.
1: That's my happy place. So, yeah. but that's and, and not- we, we live in a world with thousands of clans and we can't be part of every single one of them. And, you know, and that's part of the trade-offs we make. And that's part of, to your point, the choice of like, what clan do I want to be a part of? You want to be a part of this entrepreneurial clan. You want to be a part of this developmental clan. Like you've got some awesome clans. You know, you don't need 15.
0: <laughs> right, right.
1: Yeah. yeah. Betsy, I, I kind of went,
0: all over the place. But um, this was phenomenal. Is there anything that you want to put out there um, that we haven't dove into or, or that is part of what you like to share with audiences?
1: Um, I think we covered it all. And it's just if you want to know more, feel free to go to my website, com. You'll see my articles there and everything. And it's just it's been such a pleasure talking with you, Bobby. Thank you for having me on. This was awesome.
0: This was awesome. I and mean, you got me riled up. I feel like I'm yelling. My mother's going to be like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, great, great stuff. And thank you for so much clarity around it today. You got it.
1: All right. Take care. Thank you. Thank you.